Welcome to the From the Rooker End podcast. It's been another fantastic month for Watford and we are sitting nicely in the playoff positions in the championship. My name is, is John and uh, as ever we are here in the Railway Arms pub just opposite Bushy Train Station. With me uh, as always is uh, Mike. Hello everybody. And uh, Jason. Hello. On this, our fifth podcast, we will be talking about another good month of Hornets football. We'll be chatting to goalkeeper Scott Loach and Watford author Lionel Burney about his new book, Enjoy the Game. Plus we'll be seeing what Will Buckley and Jordan Much get up to in their spare time and I will be gracing you with a special yeah. song for <laughs> Watford Goal Machine, Marvin Scordell. What are you looking forward to the most out of that one, Mike? Um, being in the toilet when uh, Jason sings it. La 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 la. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. From the rookery end. Okay, from the rookery end, here post Scunthorpe at home. 2-0 defeat. <clears throat> Come on, we, we, we talked about, we've talked about this in the, in, in the pubs before, but not on the podcast. We, we had worries. We had worries about Watford. If some injuries came in, what would our side look like? Wow. And that's what our side, that's, that's what the side was always going to look like when a player like Don Carey got injured. Yeah, I think we did. We spoke before the game that um, bad news about Don Carey being out for, for four to six weeks. And we were, gonna, we we're getting to the stage of the season where we're going to find out what our squad's like without certain key players. And I think, to be honest... Injuries aside, I think today was always going to be one of those games we just struggled, we never got started and never got into the game. Yeah. And some of the players that we've relied on to give that bit of spark, Cowie and um, uh, his name is Will, uh, Will Buckley, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't there today and I think we, we suffered as a, as a result. Yeah, it, was, it was not good. The thing is, we know that team can win games. So we saw it was the same team that started on, uh, on Tuesday night uh, and they beat a quite high up Ipswich team um, yet now we're playing Scunthorpe who are just off the relegation places or were uh, and they struggled to play against them but we after their first goal you could, we definitely came back at that game we definitely almost scored some goals but maybe it is what is fast becoming the curse of the rookery end as Mike you made reference to the fact that we haven't scored there we haven't scored there since John Eustace's wonder goal uh... It's lovely bicycle. It's Coventry. Yeah. I wonder if the, I wonder if the changing room have retired the rookery end. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought I thought he was going to go for another one. There was uh, one point in the first yeah. half, I think, from a corner when he was on his own out there, and the ball was dropping over his head. I thought, oh, here we go. He's yeah. never another go, but he yeah, uh, he, he, he bottled it. But Lloyd could have had another goal from Lloyd. He was there. Oh, header. I think he had a header about five seconds later, which. Had he done the same thing, would have been <laughs> yeah, yeah, back clearly. in the net. Yeah. Talking of curses, though, I think there's not just one curse, there's two. The other one being? Family day. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Kid a quid equals no win. No matter I mean, who I've, you got play. A, I've, got a, I've got a kid and I haven't got many quid, so I actually go <laughs> from an economic point of view, I think they're a good idea, but good grief, we never ever win. But out of those, you know, let, let, let's not just, let's ponder on, on this game of football, let's look at the, the last couple of games of, of football and um, you know, how, how Watford looking. With some of those changes we've made, how about as, as Michael Bryan looking? He's looking chipper for me, Jace. He is. He's um, obviously a young lad still, sort of playing his first few games for us, and he's clearly got some ability there mm. in his feet. Reminded me a little bit of uh, Nordin Wouter, um, where he likes to sort of beat the man and then looks like uh, he might want to beat him again and beat him again. Yet when he has put some good early balls into into the box, they've looked dangerous. So he's got mm. he's a good crosser of the ball. So I think I'd like to see him. Do what he's do, but just get the ball in maybe a little bit earlier, a yeah. little bit quick. Having said that, Jace, he did get some. He did get some good ball in today, and I think and, uh, uh, you know we've been a bit doom and gloom about this particular game, but he got some good ball in today. And I think the, the big positive for me was the Ipswich game, um, which he, which again he started. It's the first game I think I've seen him start 
And for me personally, there was a bit of a worry that in the back of my mind, I, I'd built Michael Bryan up a bit. We'd seen him a little bit last season. He looked tricky, he looked confident. Um, and there was a bit of a worry that would he be able to, once thrown in in the first team, would he be able to see that through? And I think Ipswich was a real, real positive experience for, for Michael Bryan. He played really well and, and dispelled some of those fears I might have had about him. It's also a very, very lightweight right-hand side of the pitch. That's very true. With, uh, with Lloyd, who doesn't weigh a particular amount, and uh, <laughs> Mr Bryan weighs pretty much next to nothing. Definitely one, definitely one for the future, though. If he can... Um, he just needs to stay confident. I think that's the key for this whole Watford team. It's just to stay confident. That they've been playing with no fear, and they just need to keep. They've had a couple of setbacks. We lost to Swansea. We lost to the Portsmouth, and now we've lost to, to Scunthorpe. But you know, there's no reason to be downhearted. And they, it's vital for me that they just stay confident and, and stay have belief in that, their ability because they've clearly got it. From the rookery end, we've had a fair few goals. Not as many this month as we had in previous months, but um, I want to kind of reflect back on what we did in uh, podcast number two, where we picked our top goal scorer of the season, who we predicted would be the man with the goals. Now, Jason went out on a limb there uh, in that one and uh, picked Danny Graham, who currently sits on eight goals. He does. And is the top goal scorer. But let's hope he's uh, he's not injured. um, Yeah, he went on for too long. But the the, the true battle of this competition is, is for second place, and it's hotted up immensely in the last week between Mike and I with uh, with Stephen McGinn scoring two goals in two games against Ipswich and uh, Portsmouth the game before that yeah. and I'm now ahead of you because you got Bucko who is just the one goal and you know didn't play today no. oh McGinn's getting the goals you've obviously got Malky Could here I... John well I'll tell you what though I'm, I'm always glad when a Watford player scores um, slightly less so when Steve McGinn scores for obvious reasons <laughs> but also with Steve McGinn scoring against Portsmouth that was the first goal from a non-English player for Watford this year it is this season yeah. so uh, yeah this season so that's a pretty amazing stat so which I was I was quite I call me I probably sound a bit nationalistic here but I was a bit sad to see that record go doubly sad because it means John you've got smurf <laughs> me and it makes it look like you know more about football than me but hey as long as they're going in from somewhere it's all good in mind but we talked about the fact that there's no goals going in into the rookery end goal since the, the, uh, the bicycle kick but might you notice that maybe there's a lot of things that we're missing at the rookery end yeah I mean I wonder whether it's because Vicarage Road is uh, historically the home of the Watford fans and whether the good things are just drawn to that end so for example so what, 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 what have we missed then Jason what things have we missed I, I believe something you really did miss <laughs> yes. uh, uh, last season and that's Lloyd Doyley's first and still only ever goal for the Hornets yes Harry the Hornet seems to spend a lot of time down the Vicarage Road he end does. I don't know whether he's sort of his tail is sort of magnetically drawn to his spiritual home down there at the Vicarage Road end I don't know. Well, what, what things happen at? at sort of some, some good things happen at, at the Rookery end. We had we had, we had John's over overhead kick. Yeah. What other things have happened at the Rookery end? Hang on. There was the course the mysterious non-goal. The non-goal. Yeah. yeah. So yes, that's the Rookery you, end. Well. And of course, uh, who can forget Pierre Issa falling off the stretcher? <laughs> so falling off, he was tipped off, or was he, <laughs> or was was he, he? pulled off by a mysterious <laughs> negative force? Would that have happened at the Vicarage Road end? I very much doubt it. If you have any other bad things that happen for Watford at the Rookery End, then do send us an email, podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. And any ideas maybe what we can do to lift that curse? Because it is lovely seeing goals going at any, any end and on any pitch across the country, but it is always nice for us in the Rookery End to see a few more goals. So any ideas about how we can maybe lift this curse? Drop us an email, podcast at fromtherookeryend.com.
So how many goals is it that we've that we missed? Well, that's that's ten goals that Watford have scored at Vicarage Road at the Vicarage Road end. Let's see if we can change that. We need some goals at the Rookery end. Perhaps we need Indeed. to bury bury just a pair of Elton John's glasses under the penalty spot at the Rookery <laughs> end or something like that. Or, or a pair of Luther Blissett's boots. Yeah, Elton or Luther, if you're listening, if you've got any spare sort of memorabilia or paraphernalia, <laughs> send it in. We'll bury it, and we will definitely score at the Rookery end. Email the boys podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. They're not only causing problems for championship defences and helping Watford bang in plenty of goals this season, but Will Buckley and Jordan Much spend their spare time as Bucko and Much, a crime-fighting duo fighting evil crimes against football. Yes, it is true. Amazing. Amazing. It, is, it is. Speed, tactical thinking and a deep sense of injustice. Here we join them as they hunt down one of the baddest men in football. Go on, Bucko. Yeah, go, go on, much. guys. Bucko and Much, fighting crimes against football. Hey, yo, watch it, Bucko. You're going too fast. We'll crash before we even catch up with this bad guy. Ha, don't worry much. I can cope at speed. Plus, I can weave in and out of this traffic with ease. This guy in front has done some extremely criminal acts against football. We have got this chance. We cannot lose him now. Bucko! Hey, why are noise you trying to overtake him out wide? Because it's better than you through the middle. Hey, look, he's pulling over. Quick, let's get him before he does even more damage to football. Freeze! Don't move or much here will shoot. And he's got a pretty hard shot. And you don't want that now, do you, Mr Blatter? Monsieur, what seems to be the problem? I was just out for an afternoon drive. Yeah, a likely story. We got a call from Mr. F. Lampard about an incident in South Africa over the summer. He said you got away with murder. Merde? That is French for poo. No, murder. Murder, monsieur? That is a little far. It was not my fault. I was not the referee. I was in the stand. I was very far away. I did not see anything. That's the problem. You didn't, the ref didn't, his buddies didn't, but everybody else in the whole world saw it. You're under arrest, Monsieur Bladder. But where are you taking me? Where'd you think? Specsavers. Yeah, and then to Comet for a few digital cameras. Do you know what? I never knew Jordan Much came from New York. Apparently his dad was born in the Bronx. Really? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. You learn something new every day. From the rookery end. Chaps, the 80s have a lot to answer for. There's the haircut, the mullet, shoulder pads bigger than an NFL linebacker's, loads of music that only sounded good after eight pints. But for Watford, of course, it was our golden age. It certainly was, and it was when we all became Watford fans. Mike and I in 1986, and Jason a few years before, in 1980. Thanks, thanks, boys. <laughs> Over half a decade before. <laughs> uh, and that decade of Watford greatness can be relived in a new book called Enjoy the Game, written by author, journalist and Watford fan, Lionel Burney. Lionel, welcome to From the Rookie Inn. Pleasure to be here. So, Lionel, being a man of your age, you must have gone to your first Watford match in the 80s. I did. I slot in just between you guys, really. I'm the glory hunter, really. I, I joined the story as I got into the first division. I didn't bother with the whole preamble. <laughs> um, but that was because I was too young and my dad didn't want to take me onto the onto the terraces. And of course it was just before the family terrace. So when the family terrace came along, my dad felt that he could take me along and uh, I, that was where I saw my first match from. I think it would be 83. What was so the game? It was against Birmingham. A 1-0 win. 
Was Tony Coton playing for Birmingham? Tony Coton was playing for Birmingham, yeah. 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 Um, I think Morris Johnson scored, scored the goal, and he was my first sort of hero, really, Morris yeah. Johnston, because I was small, small for my age at the time. I had <laughs> then sort of a shock of blonde hair so um, mine wasn't dyed Morris's was uh, yeah and that was really I mean you know what it's like that first game yeah, you go course. to mm-hmm. it's it is so evocative you can just remember the sights the sounds and the smells of, of, of approaching Vicarage Road um, in those days and, and those are the things that have stayed with me and yeah. all those stadiums can change a lot in my mind's eye when I still think about the place I still think of that Shambling Terrace and yeah, the, kind yeah, of the floodlights on the big tall pylons mm. and, and yeah. the cigarette smoke in the air and all of those things. Funny you say about the cigarette smoke because that's the, uh, one of the things I remember. I always mm. smelled Marlboro's, I think it was. <laughs> well, I, 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 my dad smoked them at the time. I used to love the uh, dancing men on the scoreboard, and funnily enough, they're on the, uh, on the front of the book. They are, I mean. What what did you do when uh, when Watford scored? You turned around to have a look at those little men, didn't yeah. you? It, and it felt like I mean I think we probably were the only club in the country to have uh, a scoreboard of that size and scale at the time. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and the little men, they're iconic. You know, they they absolutely are Watford from that era. So the, the little men were obviously brilliant, but what it can't have been just the little men that made you focus the book on the on the eighties. What was no, it? No, it would be a struggle to stretch that to three hundred and fifty pages. <laughs> um, I'm a journalist and I, I cover sport, I cover cycling, and um, you know that's a job and and I love it. But Watford's my passion. It is consider myself a Watford fan um, before anything else. And having done four seasons, uh, the book um, that I did in two thousand and one with Alan Cosy, it had always been my it, back of the mind intention to write something about the 80s because of the place it holds in, in my heart really yeah. when I first went I thought I knew a lot about the era you know the matches that you remember and, and the stories you remember but I thought the one way the story hasn't been told yet is to actually go track down all the players and the management and go and interview them and, and then knit all that together so it isn't a history book about the 80s yeah. it is their recollections of what happened and what it was like and it isn't just about what happened on the pitch it's about what it was like to be part of the club and sure. what went on behind the scenes and there's a few funny stories in there and a few moving stories as well what was the biggest what was the biggest surprise that you found out that you weren't expecting I think the biggest surprise I found out was the manner of Graham Taylor's departure in 87 and I was 12 I think then mm. when he left and that I remember the day coming home from school and my mum saying got some news sit down son <laughs> sit, sit down. <laughs> it really was but it really was that moment Graham Taylor has left and I felt it sounds ridiculous to say but I was devastated yeah, it no, really I'm, was yeah. like yeah. I, I hadn't at that time had a, a sort of death in the family if you like but that was the closest to sort of grief as a 12 year old boy yeah. that yeah. I could you know that I'd experienced and uh you go through the five phases, I suppose. Like, what, what, you know, why? You know, why are you leaving? And then the anger. You know, no, you shouldn't leave. And he, and then the sort of acceptance. And then Dave Bassett. And I think the biggest surprise was that it wasn't as clear as Graham Taylor left and Dave Bassett came in, and it was a terrible mistake. It went wrong, but it, the, when you talk to the people, yeah. and you, you you hear the thought processes. And probably the interview with Dave Bassett was the one that left me with a feeling that, yeah, he messed up, but he's not. The f- he doesn't deserve to be vilified for it. Mm. He made mistakes, yeah. and, and he, he has held his hands up subsequently. But just to hear his side of what happened and some of the things that went on behind the scenes, and yes, he did get in there and, 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 and mess it up, really, particularly on the pitch, and he sold people too early. Yeah. But... It wasn't as clear as all that because Elton was trying to sell the club at the time. Yeah, of course. 
and it was very unstable. And of course, from ten years of absolute stability, to suddenly be thrown into turmoil. So I think to to see and get a rounded impression of that was probably the most interesting aspect for me. Um, you met a lot of the obvious heroes by them. I mean, sort of people like Graham and, and Luther, people mm. like that. Were there any unexpected heroes that you met? The people that left the biggest impression on me, oddly, were Steve Sherwood, Steve Sims and John McClelland. Um, Just, I don't know why, but physically imposing people. Mm. Very, uh, certainly Sims and McClelland were were very forthright and and really sort of strident in their views. McClelland's thoughts on the 87 Cup final, for example. You know, I'm not sure that Gary Plumley will particularly like reading what McClelland said about him, but it's... It gives you an, a bit of insight into yeah. what the dressing room was like before uh, before that game and what it was like on the pitch as sure. it all unravelled. Yeah. Just in case fans don't know, that was when Coton and Sherwood, the two goalkeepers, both yeah. got injured. Mm. Yeah. And we had to call up well. Gary Plumley to play in mm. the FA Cup semi-final. Sherwood could have played, couldn't he? He maintained it absolutely. Yeah, he he's very. I mean, tears in his eyes talking about that. It, yeah. That was that was a moving interview because it still hurts him. You know. Wow. Well, 20 odd years I later. don't mind admitting that's the first time I cried at football match was that semi-final I don't know how old it was. Well, I was 10 yeah. and I went up and we were sat next to two drunken Spurs fans and that, that oh, first nice. goal went in and they just jumped up next to me and one of them caught me with his elbow and I, it was just all too much for me I just burst into tears <laughs> <laughs> the only positive I remember could taken out of that was I think John McClelland ended up in a foot race was it, was it with Nico Clausen playing for them then? that's right yeah. and he was quite quick but McClelland yeah. beat him and I thought well at least he's picking an in <laughs> and that's about the only positive I took out of that and incidentally we talk about John McClelland my mum used to fancy the pants off him <laughs> why, why does every conversation we have end up with we're, of your family fancying one of the players well, they're, they're a bunch of flighty pieces <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're speaking to all these guys, and you sort of got their opinions from uh, from that era of the '80s. But what do you think, personally, was the club's greatest moment of that era? It has to be the FA Cup final, even though it was a defeat. It, it, at the time, it was the pinnacle of what you could achieve in English football, wasn't it? I mean, it's it's difficult now, looking back, to appreciate what the cup final meant in those days. Now, it's been devalued to below you know a run of the mill mm. league game between Wigan and Stoke which is a, I think one of the great crimes of English football mm. but back then there was a, a massive build up from the, the date the semi-final yeah. two teams had got through it was all about Wembley I mean if you, if you remember um, that, that what it was like round here in that run up you know mm. all the schools were absolutely mad for it everything mm. was yellow and red and black and I, I can remember making an FA Cup out of a cereal box of tin <laughs> for yeah. and all of that and going to school in May wearing a thick red black and yellow scarf and I think just to be part of that and to be able to as a club to say we were we we achieved that um, I think that's probably the, the, uh, the greatest achievement the club's ever made really to get that far up the ladder obviously finishing second in the league and playing in Europe you know, were were things that may not ever happen again, and that that pains me to say that. But to actually achieve those things and to have them, you know, in when you open the program, you can see the honours that the club has achieved. Mm. They are there; they're never going to be taken away. Mm. There was a bit. I don't know about you, but there was almost a bit of nonchalance about it for me because I just started supporting Watford. I say in 1980. Thank you for reminding me. Um, was all that happened in those first few years, it was promotion to the, to we the still, first division, runners-up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not quite, Mike, not quite. Um, right, yeah, runners-up in the top flight, then the FA Cup final, UEFA Cup in between, and it was all like, oh, great, if it's going to be like this all the time, it's going to be fantastic. And it was almost sort of a nonchalance. When we lost the Cup final, it was like, 
yeah, I was a bit disappointed, but oh, we'll be back there in two or three seasons. <laughs> and it just never worked out like that. I think end. one of the lines in the book is that we did think it was going to be like this forever. Mm. And of course, because of the age I was, um, I assumed that it was. My dad obviously had seen them in the fourth division, seen them playing in blue, I think, even. And, and he was always sort of, well, you know, it won't be like this forever or enjoy it or, or whatever. But a friend of mine who's a few years older than me, three or four years older, he said that he went, he went to his first game, uh, Graham Taylor's first match in uh, in the fourth division, and because of missing the odd game here or there, he didn't see them lose for two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> Just you know that is absolutely extraordinary. Whereas this season, I've only managed to make it to two games so far, and I've seen two home defeats. So I mean, tie him up and leave you in the toilet. <laughs> Obviously, we talked about Watford being successful in the eighties, but a lot of what made Watford successful and what it made them a sort of a joy to sport was a sort of the ethos that was around Watford. I think we probably agree that's been lacking in sort of the, the 90s and, and early early 2000s. It feels to me like it's get, we're getting back to that sort of mm-hmm. almost 80s feel of, of the club being in the community. Is that yeah, something that you recognise? I think that was one of the things I, and I'm, I'm reluctant to just put it down to one man, Graham Taylor, mm-hmm. but history tells me that it, it is largely to do with him and his stamp on the club. When we did recapture it a bit in uh, you know the late 90s when he came back as manager, general manager and then manager. And it is back now. They are making great strides to be a club that isn't run-of-the-mill like yeah. just any other club. Um, but the ethos was, was absolutely the key to um, you know to, to why I wanted to write the book and, and what inspired the title, Enjoy the Game, which was... It was first heard over the town I think mm. you probably know in, in sort of the early 80s maybe 80, yeah, 80 yeah. 81 it was a slogan that appeared on the front of the programme for a couple of years and it summed up what Watford was trying to do yeah. football in the early 80s was in the doldrums wasn't it I mean yeah. you know, the grounds were falling apart we were, we were in a recession so nothing's changed there um, and Watford were trying to create something that people could feel a part of as a community attract families, attract children and be a friendly place. And I think that you know that there was so much good that they achieved yeah. in, in trying to do that that they did influence football culture in this yeah, country yeah, long absolutely. before Sky came along and made it into uh, you know a billion pound industry. So would you say that what Watford are the, the sort of green green shoots and recovery is the wrong word, but the way where Watford are at the moment, did that almost kickstart you into into revisiting that period? Yeah, I mean book? yeah, I, I said to you just before we uh, we started recording that I'd, I've long had the idea of doing the book, but the, the club didn't have the same place in my heart with the previous ownership, um, unfortunately. And when they were on the way out, I, it rekindled my love for the club and, and what it means. So that was when I started work on the book. Um, and I think you, your sense of identity of the club, you, you can't just unconditionally support everything they do. You have to keep an eye on them, make sure that they're acting in the interests of not just our generation, but future generations. I mean, I want that club to be, um, you know, to be there for people sort of 50, 60 years down the line and still have the same feel that I was lucky enough to have. It's going to be on a lot of people's Christmas lists. Where can we? Where, where can they get hold of a, a copy of the book? Well, at the moment, it's only available on my website, which is www.lionelburney.com. Um, but I'm hoping for a bit of a breakthrough, um, and it will be more widely available. But at the moment, it's just on the website. Excellent. Uh, thanks for uh, for joining us, and uh, I can't wait to have a read. Yeah. Thank you very much. Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. 
So even after a defeat at home to Scunthorpe, due to many curses that have been going on, <laughs> we have had a great start this yep. season. It is far and beyond a beyond it all. Yeah. All the fans are positive, but I would like to point out that we have yet to look at message boards <laughs> after the Scunthorpe game. You never know. Jason, what, what do you think? There is, do you think? And if there is, when do you think there might start being a backlash from fans? And, he, and, and should there ever be? I think there will be. I think there will be after this game. Um, because there are always people that are that passionate about the club that they will react to that. that the club means something to them and they will feel that the players aren't giving their all when we lose at home to teams like Scunthorpe. Um, equally, there will be people that absolutely love the club and everything they do um, and will not hear, hear a bad word said about it yeah. um, what you've got to look to I guess is, is the balance those people in the middle that sit back take half an hour to think about what happened and think about the game in the context of the rest of the season yeah, the bigger picture um, and look at the bigger picture uh, and for me I think okay it would, uh, we said it a bit already when we were talking about the game saying that we know these things can happen we've got a young squad um, we know they're capable of winning games and we know that from time to time they're going to lose games and, and it's going to be like that for the foreseeable I think the positive thing is that we are disappointed that we've lost a game um, you put it in context of the performances we've seen so far mm. this season um, the Scunthorpe game in particular was a long way off what we've been used to and I think mm. that you know that it's not positive we've lost but it's positive that we feel um, a, a defeat so keenly uh, no one likes losing um, exactly. I think all three of us are fairly reasonable Watford fans uh, managed to keep a lid on it most of the time well you two do I <laughs> sometimes a little bit sorry to the people that have to sit around me but the fact that I think this game stands out like a sore the Scunthorpe game stands out like a sore thumb so far and for me it's the way that react, we react I would be very very surprised if, if Malcolm Mackay or any of the players came out and said um, that they were in any way satisfied with what happened uh, against Scunthorpe um, and they'll look, to, they'll look to put that right very very quickly um, and I think it'll be a measure of this squad how quickly they can do that it looks like they're going to be without Don Cowie for a little while Danny Graham went off injured against Scunthorpe how long what the nature of his injury remains to be seen so we're starting to face some of those challenges that we probably discussed at the start of the season it's how we react to those that are really going to shape this season From the rookery end An interesting point about this year's team Malcolm Mackay mentioned after the Sheffield United away game where we went one up and then took a load of pressure, she said, we wouldn't have won this game last season. And it yeah. got me thinking, compare this team at its peak, at its best, to old, you know, past Watford teams, where does it stand out? What about the, the old promotion teams, Mike? What about the 98-99 playoff winning team? I think it stands out, it sort of, it strikes a chord really with that, with that team in as much as there weren't any standout star individual players, but in that, in that group of players there was a, there was a couple of players that went on to be or were already established as Watford legends we had people mm. like Tommy Mooney in there Paul Robinson was, was still there he was a young he? lad at the time yeah so who you can equate you know Robinson was a defender we've got Doyley I think we can probably say that mm. Louis Doyley's in the legend category and up front Danny Graham's looking like uh, forging himself a, a decent career here at Watford he's, he's scored a lot of goals the key thing for me was the mix of, uh, of what we've got There's a, that day at Wembley we had four players who came through the youth ranks here that we paid no money for. and again we've got that here um, in this current Watford squad we spent a little bit of money but not a lot paid money for, for people like Micah Hyde Steve Palmer we paid money for but it wasn't huge amounts of money and they were players that were hugely recognised around the league and perhaps not even in that division so it's a t again I think it's a team that is the sum is more than that of its parts um, but Jason foot footballing the, the, the way we play football and the sort of the, the way we play football 
the, the team mentality, do you think it's similar to that team of 98, 99? The mentality, wow. You know, they got promoted on the back of a promotion year. They were a building team that were coming through. Yeah, I don't don't think it is I think the players as I say are quite a bit younger the general squad and I think uh, like you say the, the team that team won promotion the season before won the old division two and they had that momentum yeah. carried up into that season and what we won our first three games I think and got off to an absolute flyer and I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of how that momentum works and carries teams forward and it did just wonders that season both at the start and then at the finish when Taylor picked them up again and we won at Birmingham St Andrews when we hadn't won for a while I think and then all of a sudden we won a whole load of games to take that momentum into the playoffs and win the playoff final and and get ourselves up I think that's slightly different from a team last season where we we sort of started well last season and then we started to slip a bit picked it up a little bit did enough to to stay safe at the end of that season I think for this season it's sort of Malky getting together again get a couple of new players in and almost starting from scratch yeah. What, this year? This this season, I think so, yeah. I think, sort of, let's put that sort of dodgy run behind us that, that we got at the end of last season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, the, the squad hasn't changed a big deal, but certainly I think the way we play football has changed from this season, uh, from the end of last season to this season. We, we're certainly playing a, a slightly different style. I think he has. I think he started again. I think a lot of people do see it as... I think you, know, you, you see what some people write, they do see it as the same team. It's like, well, there are some players in there, but Danny Graham's a, a year further on. The, mm. so, all the signs that we made in, in the January transfer window are, uh, you know, nine, ten months further on from joining the club. And it's similar faces, but it is a different team. It's a very different team. But how are they different from, from the, uh, the other great promotion team of 05, 06? Well, again, I'm looking at the, the way we play, the way we play and how that different that is, I think this is the big difference between those two teams and the two managers obviously we had Mr mm. Boothroyd who liked a classic sort of 4-4-2 and it was getting the ball from back to front very quickly getting over the top of and behind the defence we had sort of power and pace up front the likes of Marlon King Darius Henderson Ashley Young whereas now we're a bit more patient it's that sort of 4-1-3-2 formation lots of interplay between those sort of front three midfielders and the two strikers and then when we do get it wide it's getting those crosses in not up in the air for a big man to get on the end of, but it's sort of playing it in between the, the defence and the uh, and the goalkeeper. The likes of Sordell, Danny Graham to sort of get in there, yeah. get a touch on it, and get it in the back of the net. Yeah, I think I think Jason's right. The, the, I think the type of football we're playing this year has been a real um, boost to a lot of the fans. <coughs> the amount of goals in the goals four columns uh, is testament to that. But I think this team, what this team has got in common with both those two promotion teams is that they were unfancied at the start of the season. And what Jason said it a, a few times, and what carried them through was self-belief and then momentum. Mm. And they're, they're just two, I don't think they can be overstated, the importance of those two aspects. You can be the best team in the world, but if you don't believe you're going to win, if you don't have belief in your teammates, and if you haven't got a bit of impetus behind you, a bit of, sometimes you need that, you, you get on a roll and you stay on it, and you do anything you can to stay on it. So after, after a defeat at Scunthorpe, that'll be the real test how we come back. And can we pick up that momentum again? From the rookery end. I'm, I'm feeling quite starstruck here. I know, I'm, 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 I'm sitting next to a a radio and not just radio, but radio and TV Excuse celebrity. Excuse me, don't turn those cameras at me. Get them away. <laughs> Get them out of my face. You're absolutely right to point that out, Jason. Um, I had forgotten. Um, <laughs> but thanks for uh, bringing it to our listeners' attention. Since we last did a podcast, I've both been on TV and national radio. 
That's good, Mike. You'll probably be forgiven for thinking it was my uh, song about John Eustace that catapulted <laughs> me into this life of media stardom, but no. For those of you who got Sky Sports, you might have seen um, Take It Like a Fan on a Friday night. They visited uh, Fenners, who used to be on uh, Soccer AM, him and Charlotte from uh, Sky Sports yeah. News. Well, yeah, take it or leave it. But, um, You'd be right about that, would you? Well, it depends if Leanne was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they, they came to, to the Watford game before the Middlesbrough game. Mm. Um, I took part, managed to win 100 quid, Ooh. which was good. I answered uh, questions about Middlesbrough, actually, bizarrely. Got one right, went double or quits, nailed it. <laughs> so I was pretty pleased with that. And uh, those of you who were in the ground or watched the show will have seen someone miss a penalty at half-time. And who was that lucky person? That was the chance to win 500 quid, and that was my brother. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, if you go onto the blog at fromtherookerin.com, one of the old blog posts, um, and it's, uh, it's a corker. I wouldn't have minded, except we'd agreed to split our winnings. Oh, oh no so I did my bit I banked my 100 quid and I was just thinking right he just needs to slot this for 500 cool 300 each what did he do Rose Ed <laughs> followed that up with one on the radio yeah I'm not going to lie Jason got a taste for it <laughs> I, uh, I've been to a is it, is it that or, or has Stardom got a taste for you well <laughs> I think it's a happy marriage of the two probably Jason you know stars align and uh, another star is born or something along those lines <laughs> But um, uh, I've been to a third birthday party and had a few beers in the afternoon. It was the, uh, it was the afternoon that Watford beat Sheffield United, Yes, I believe. So I got home, seven o'clock, um, was fit, all was right with the world, feeling a bit merry. I thought, I know, I'll place a phone call to uh, 606 and try and express my sort of satisfaction with being a Watford fan, which um, I thought I did. With reasonable uh, levels of absolutely, I, you know, I, I heard the call, and uh, it, it, oh, Michael's on the radio. Yeah. That's quite nice. Let's see what he's got to say. The passion came through. Yeah. The, the 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 sincerity about how happy you were as a Watford fan this season definitely came through. Um, yeah, the nice response from uh, from uh, Chappers, and then his co-host, Mr. Savage, got involved. Yeah. His 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 repost was simple, to the point, and rather blunt. He said, "That may be so. I just don't like Watford fans." <gasps> What? what? <laughs> exactly. How could that be? Exactly. His, uh, his argument being that when he broke his leg, well, well um, El Bangura broke his leg when he was playing for Blackburn here against Watford, that everybody in the ground laughed, apparently. I didn't laugh. Jace, did you laugh? I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> John, did you laugh? I don't remember laughing, no. And I think that, that came off the back of um, At Your Place event, which I was lucky enough to go to yes. in uh, Hemel Hempstead. Those of you that read the blog will have read, read my take on it. I did a little piece of the programme as well. But I would urge anyone who um, does get a chance to go along to the next one, do so. A real good chance to speak to people like Julian Winter and Malky Mackay, and they will literally answer any question you've got. So uh, get down there. More information, I think, on the, on the watfordfc.com for when the next events are. Yeah, or let's all laugh at robbysavage.com. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up with the podcast blog on fromtherookeryend.com. So over the last four podcasts, myself and Mike have uh, sung a few songs, and I use that word sung in a light sense. Some special songs they were, and they were all about our favourite Watford players at the moment, and they came from deep down in our hearts. From our, not just our hearts, our souls, our very beings, oh, yes. poured into those oral delights that you were lucky enough to hear. If you haven't listened to uh, Mike's song for John Eustace, it is on Podcast 4. Yeah. I advise you to do so. Now, of course, after I've done it and Mike's done it, it's now time... For Jason, 
Do, re, mi, fa, In a minute, Jason. Oh, I, uh, I forgot the rest of the Calm down, right. son. Yeah. Anyway, we're lucky enough that one of our friends from Twitter, Julie, if you want to look her up on Twitter, she's at DemonHornet69. Yeah, thanks, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah, she won't be thanking you when she hears what you've done to her lyrics, mate. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, she's emailed podcast at fromtherookeryend.com and she had some fantastic lyrics for our Marvin song set to the Beatles classic Yellow Submarine. I hope you don't mind, Julie, but I've added a few extra lines of my, uh, of my own in there. Hopefully you'll think they complement your, uh, your initial efforts. But anyway, here we go with Jason's song, especially for you, Marvin. Here we go. For the team that we support Plays a man of 19 years From the youth team to the first He gives us reason for hearty cheers Plaster cast upon his arm The number 20 upon his back Scoring goals for us for fun Cutting defenders, little slack Marvin Sordell, the Watford goal machine The Watford goal machine, the Watford goal machine Marvin Sordell, the Watford goal machine The Watford goal machine, the Watford goal machine He leads the line with Danny G Defenders fear him, he shot my tee His pace and goals fill us with glee Marvin Sordell, the Watford goal machine The Watford goal machine, the Watford goal machine Marvin Sordell, the Watford goal machine the Watford Goal Machine, the Watford Goal Machine. Very nice, Jason. Not Thank bad. You. But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was very good. But unfortunately. I can't hear anything. I've just got ringing. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. But to be fair, it was one of Ringo's songs. And we all know about the Ringo songs in the Beatles' uh, back catalogue. They, they were the best. They, well, they weren't exactly the most vocally challenging out of them all. Ringo does do Thomas the Tank Engine, though, so he's, he's got a part of uh, that. I think that was actually our most uh, terrace-friendly song that we've done so far. Absolutely, I, I agree. Well, and well done again, Julie. Thanks for getting in touch. Podcast out from the so, for that. Who should we do for next month? Well, he's cropped. Isn't he? He's not very well, so I he needs cheering up. I think we should go for Don Cowie. Okay, Don Cowie is. From the rookery end. So we know behind every great man is a great woman, apparently. Leanne made me say that. <laughs> but behind every great defence is a goalkeeper. And we're lucky to have a good goalkeeper in Scott Loach. This season he's had two England senior team call-ups, over 70 senior appearances for our team already, and he's been the subject of loads of transfer chat already. He's only 22, John, can you believe it? Um, but, well, it is, I believe, but he, you know, he, is, he, he follows in the... Historic great goalkeepers that we've had at this football club with Gary you know, Plumley, yeah, <laughs> Perry Suckling, absolutely the biggest and the best that have played in a yellow stroke, green stroke, red shirt. He's uh, Antonio Cote. My favourite one actually was a grey one. He had a grey one with black oh, shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? It was a good one. Anyway, we had the chance to meet up with Scott and talk football with him at the Watford training ground earlier this year. John started our interview by asking him something that we don't get to see that often due to his long goalkeeper shirt. From the rookery end. I never knew that you had so many tattoos. Because you always had long sleeves. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, my older brother, my dad, about him, so I've always uh, grown up watching him. Yeah. Any mean anything in particular? Yeah, one arm's kind of a family theme, and then I'm a Christian, so the other arm's like a like heavenly family theme. Oh, okay. So I just thought, why not? Hey, you only have one, so yeah? that's what I'd go for it. <laughs> you got your next one planned? Just got to get this one all shaded, really, all finished, and then that'll be me for a while. So. <laughs> Uh, get married and have kids I think oh, I, say, I, I, say, I say that now but I'll be turning into like half oh, prison break soon <laughs> <laughs> Scott you're kind of one of I don't know you're really young still compared to the rest of us uh, bull fat guys but you're kind of now one of the, the more senior pros at Watford believe it or not I guess um, how do you feel about that? well to be fair I, I feel quite honoured to be honest you know um, I've been given the chance so I've got a senior player at 22 so it brings a smile to my face but not worrying I'm getting old but uh, <laughs> uh, it's part of the responsibility as well you know we've got to, got to step, in, step into that mould and that big, big presence that you know you need to be number one so hopefully we can keep doing that as, and keep progressing and people keep regarding me as a senior player Excellent what's it like having someone like Alec Chamberlain at the club? Yeah to, well, he gets called my dad by a lot of the players <laughs> I've been here since I was 17 and if I'm honest he has been like a dad to me he's been brilliant so uh, I think he's got I don't think you can Getting more, I don't know how many games he's played. Seven, eight hundred, is it? Quite a lot. Yeah. Quite, I don't think he can beat that. Whether he's, you go to a Premiership team and you've got a Premiership college coach, he's got eight hundred games. He's seen it, been there, and done it all. So I can't ask for any more of him, to be honest. Put so much timing with us and everything. So it's brilliant. Well, the, who were your, your who was your first footballing hero when you were a kid? Uh, Peter Schmeichel. Yeah, I'm not a Man United fan anymore, but for some reason, when I first kicked the ball, I just loved Man United and everything about them. So, until I got to about 14, 15, and 4, I just loved football in general. I was a massive, massive Man United fan. He was, uh, he was my idol for a long time. He still is, to be honest. And are there any current other goalkeepers that are out there playing that you kind of... Um, I look at the, the, the German keeper, funny enough, because I had the chance to play against him in the, in the 21s, and... You know, he's, he's broken to their first team now and I really look up to him a lot to see what he's done in such a short space of time and working with the likes of Joe Hart and Ben Foster as well, again, not too much older than himself, but again, to see their style of goalkeeping and to work with them, and, you know, I always keep an eye on them too because they're like my friends as well, so I really look up to them too and uh, the German goalkeeper, I just like goalkeeping in general, so... You know, I watch the World Cup for goalkeepers. So. Do you literally sit and watch a game of football and just wait for the ball to go to the goalkeeper? Yeah, pretty much. I watched. Uh, everyone was saying the World Cup was boring, but I was watching it for different reasons. And, you know, people probably listen to this thinking, "What's that?" You know. <laughs> but, um, trying to learn things all the time, and you know, I just one of them that can just tell you most things about most goalkeepers and most teams. So, so it's a little bit busy on my behalf, but I think if it helps me in the long run, then fair enough. Scott, we've spoken to some of the other boys about their toughest opponents, and I guess it's kind of different for a goalkeeper, but when, you, when you're lining up against someone, are there particular strikers that you think, oh, crikey, I'm in for a tough game here? Or? It's, always, it's always a handful of pain against you know, the card when you're buffered, because it's like when we played Chelsea in the cup, he's, you know, to him, he's like a poor man's job, but he's, so, he's got everything like, physically about him, but he's technically brilliant as well, and when he's on his game, it's... You think, well, if they put this in the air, he's going to come through. You know, if they put it to his feet, he's going to turn and strike. And you know, players like that, you can't, you know, you just, you just have to hold your hands up to them because on their day, they're brilliant players. And you've got your choppers and stuff as well. Just nippy little players that you just think, just, just go away. Just, <laughs> <laughs> I think we think the same. Yeah, so it's, uh, so I'm, you know, I don't really always enjoy looking forward to the Cardiff game. It's a bit of a challenge. So. We'll be all right this year, though. Clean yeah. this time. Oh, you should hope so after the four. <laughs> <laughs> it's got away from football for a minute. 
If we got hold of your iPod, pinched it off you, put it on shuffle, played it at the party, what's the one song that you'd be worried would come up? Probably that uh, Superman song that you did last year. I can't remember who sings it. Oh, um... We do all the movements? Yeah. Oh, is it Black Grape? Yeah. You never knew it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bust it out for that now and again. <laughs> when was the last time you did bust it out? Um, probably at a party in the summer, to be honest. <laughs> Being a goalkeeper, do you... When you when you, you go out on the in the pitch, do you always is it like a set thing where you have to be second out after the captain? Or I've it, always done it. I, was, I see some keepers like I think it's Pepe Reina comes out second last and stuff like that. And I've always just done it. And I, I prefer doing it that way. I think it's traditional. You know, just, just simple and easy. Really. Are, are there set places apart from? Not, uh, not really. I remember Tom Cleverley used to. He had to be third. If he wasn't third, then he, you know he'd kick up a fuss. He had to. He had to be third. So. Okay. Um, apart from that, everyone just kind of. Well, to be honest, I, I don't really look what's behind me, so yeah. I bet it's the same order every week. <laughs> you can tell me more, but um, I've always gone second. Uh, I always thought it's traditional, just carried it on, really, so yeah. you know, I'm just going to stick to going second from now on. When you do come out on the pitch, Watford plays Z-Cars, you know, yeah. Z-Cars. What, do you, what do you make of that? Do you like that? Yeah, it's right, actually. At first I was thinking, what's this? But when you're actually standing in that tunnel, you can feel a little bit of a buzz, funny enough. That's cool, That's cool cause it's a big thing for Watford fans. Watford yeah. fans love it. But if you had a, your own theme tune to come out to, if every player had their own theme tune... Like wrestlers do. What do you have? To say being club fucks. Oh, very good. Um, obviously, you spend a lot of time standing in front of the opposition fans at games. Yeah. You must hear some great chants. Any standout? I just like it when they kind of insult their own team as insulting you. You know, like when we, we played Peterborough and they were um, obviously beating us away. And they just started singing how bad must you be we're winning away. And thinking, <laughs> but surely you're insulting your team as well. And it just makes me laugh a little bit. Think so. so you can hear the fans? Definitely. Yeah, especially when you go to get a goal kick. You, know, you always get that, that one person that must think he's a comedian. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah, but it always seems the same. You, you see someone standing up and giving you abuse, and even their own fans look at you and just say, "Please sit down." Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, football wouldn't be the same without them people. So it's... From the rookery end, get involved. Go to facebook.com forward slash rookery end. What a lovely bloke Scott Loach is. And one thing we don't see is those tattoos on a match. Even though, I think if you had a couple of those and he just. Had his guns out with those tattoos. It'd be a fierce character, and I don't think anyone ever shoot a ball near the Watford goal. He's a good man. Thank you for that, Scott. Uh, that's it for another month here on From the Rookery End. Thank you for listening and downloading. Uh, we thank you for all your support and getting involved. Uh, we are still after your songs for next time for a song for Don Cowie. Any songs you like? Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Also, we'll have our interview next month with Dale Bennett. So make sure you, you look out for that at the end of November. He was November. nice as well, wasn't he, Dave? Yeah, well, really really nice. We had a lovely, yeah. lovely day when we went to the training ground and all the lads were brilliant Tip top. and very nice. Okay, so if you've got anything you want to contribute, you can post it on our Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. Or if you don't like going on Facebook because you think it's the work of the devil, <laughs> then just email us at podcast at fromtherookeryend.com that's podcast at fromtherookeryend.com if you come along to Match Days and you buy a Match Day programme don't forget to have a little look through you'll see a page written by uh, by one of us um, generally on the, around the 60s 60, 54 today and if you, 68. yeah so read that enjoy it you can also stay in touch with uh, the thoughts of Jason John and I by visiting the blog where you uh, regularly make regular posts to our blog page www.fromtherookeryend.com it's been a good month of football for Watford unfortunately ending with this home defeat 
to uh, to Scunthorpe. And if we look at the stats, it was only ever going to be family day, kicking yeah. towards the Vicarage Road end in the second half, and also the 13th game of the season. Really? We were doomed from the get-go. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us for podcast number six. Come on, you horns. Come on. Come on, you horns. Oh, I didn't feel very commodity there. <laughs>